Okay, good evening, everyone. Um, if you are new to God's house, I want to say welcome to you on behalf of our pastor, Pastor Lufemi Mune, who's away on a vacation, <laughs> like you call it, on a vacation. I want to say thank you for coming, and we hope that um, you will enjoy this teaching tonight. This is Strive. It's an interactive session, and you should have um, an outline like this in your hands. If you do not have one, you can signify by a show of hands and the ushers will put one in your hand okay there's a hand over there and the ushers will give you one so that you can follow you are you are um, encouraged to fill out the um, blank spaces as we go along so tonight we're going to be talking about the experience um, everything we're about to talk about tonight is in an attempt to authenticate what we as a people uh, corporately experiencing in, at this time is to encourage us to hold fast to um, what we have been taught in season to not lose sight of the promises um, because these promises, these prophecies, prophecies that have been given to us are for us to war with individually as we we'll experience open heavens in our lives in Jesus' name. I thought you would say amen. Amen. Okay, so to start us off this evening, there's an opening question there that says, what is the most compelling experience you have had till date? And what impact has this has it had on your life? As we know, a tribe is meant to be interactive. You know, um, nobody knows it all. Uh, I'm also here to learn from your experiences. Um, and also, if I can share my own experiences for someone to learn from. So, who wants to go? What's that experience that you feel is compelling or was compelling you know that impacted your life that you would like to share this evening anyone compelling don't we have compelling experiences i'm sure we do at different times in our lives anyone come on but you renominate people <laughs> i know we've had compelling experiences Nobody wants to share, or is it too sensitive? Is there an answer? Where? Okay. I'll share my own compelling experience. Okay? Praise God. Praise God. Okay, I have lots of compelling experiences I, I can share uh, that has impacted my life and um, has, you know, brought a paradigm shift for me at different times in my life. And while I was preparing for um, this teaching, I asked myself the question, and the very first one that came to my mind is the first one I will share. Like I said, I have a whole lot of compelling experiences, even up until recently. So I, I remember um, 10 years ago, um, prior to that time, I used to look to the Nile for my supply. If you, know what, if you don't know what that means, it means you have to go back to pastor's teaching. I'm not here to to uh, teach you what pastor has taught us because I cannot teach like pastor can teach. Anyway, um, if you're looking to the Nile, it means that you're not looking to the heavens for your resources. So at that point in time, I was looking to the Nile. I felt I was self-sufficient. I felt I had everything that I needed, especially financially, you know, and 
the person that was the anchor of my source, uh, anchor of, of the source at the time, was an, an older brother. And then um, in a week, a week and a half, I lost him. Suddenly, he wasn't sick. He got shot. I probably have shared this. I mean, some people who know me know. I mean, know it's a sensitive. Um, it's very sensitive, um, sensitive topic for me. So he got shot. And when he got shot, I remember I wasn't saved. I remember saying to God that, you know what? If you save this man, I will follow you. I will save you. I will save you all my life. So I got into the hospital that day and I prayed. Now, I'm from a Christian background. Even my mom taught us to pray and she's a praying woman. But I wasn't, I was a Christian by addition, not a Christian by submission. But I remember praying and I prayed through that season, trusting God. that You know what? I was even convinced that, you know, God will save this man because I did a bargain. I kind of said, God, if you save him, I'll follow you. And those bad things I do, I will stop them. So that's my trade. You know, you have to give him something for something in return, like a, a life for a life. So a horrible life for saving of a life. And he went on and it was eight days. He lived for eight days, you know, traumatic time. Spent a lot of money trying to save him, hiring an air ambulance, you know, spent a lot of money trusting in doctors, hoping, you know, listening to every word. Well, on the eighth day, it passed. And I remember my life shattering to pieces. Because for me, that was all the hope. For me, that was, I mean, in retrospect, that was me looking to, to heaven from whence my help came, but it was in a man. So at the time, it seemed like my hope had died or had passed on with a man. But rather than um, keep my end of the bargain, you think I'll be wise enough to say, okay, you know what, God, I won't win it. It drove me deeper, sort of somewhat into the world. I mean, I, I went, I felt like there was no, no need. So I, I grew naughtier for a few months until I began to ask myself some serious questions about my future. Short, I mean, long story short, the next year I got married. So um, the thought of marriage sort of chilled me and helped me um, put things into perspective. But I, I want to remember one incident. So um, in December of that year, um, I'd traveled to the UK I was still toasting my wife at the time. I was going to toast her, you know. I feel a surprise visit, toasted her. And um, in, I came back to Nigeria, and I went, I went again in, in, in January. And in February, I, I asked her to marry me, you know. And she said yes. So, again, that was another compelling experience that made me say, okay, you know, dude, you need to, you need to do things a different way. So I remember coming back to Nigeria. This is me. I, I can say I'm a decent man now. I don't do the things I used to do then. I'm talking about then, 10 years ago. But I wasn't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I, w- I wouldn't say I was totally saved. I was, I was warming up to Christ. I was a seeker. When I came back to Nigeria, I still went back to my Catholic church. And I remember saying to one of my cousins um, on, on, the, on a weekday, because I came back, I think, second week in the, in the month of February, I said to her that, you know, I'll follow you to your church. I don't want to mention the church because it's not about the church. It's about the experience. I'll follow you to your church on, it was going to be the 20th of February or 27th. And it was a weekend. And she said, okay. And I went to the church. And I can remember 
the compelling message that was taught. The message that was taught was from Ziklag to Jerusalem by a very unlikely pastor, if I say his name, but I'm going to say his name. And he made a call that for people that want to move from Ziklag to Jerusalem, they should please come forward so he could pray with them. No laying of hands now so you can move from Ziklag to Jerusalem. For some people, Ziklag to Jerusalem was financial or, you know, possessing the land. It was something grandiose. But for me, Ziklag to Jerusalem, somewhere I just felt like something, because the story of Ziklag, who knows the story of Ziklag to Jerusalem? David moving into Jerusalem. I felt like something needed, I needed a big leap in my life. And I went forward, I lifted up my hands to heaven, boom. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. From head to toe. My cousin that watched was telling me that I was shaking frantically. I didn't know what was happening. Because I was just there in front. I was shaking frantically. She was wondering like I was convulsing. Anyway, I walked out of that service and my life was never the same again. Now, take you back to another compelling experience that happened. In September of the year. In, uh, no, yeah. In, yes, in September of the year, I lost my brother. That's 10 years ago. I followed my closest friend, Pastor Soti, to a church. He said, let me invite you for our service. A God you do it again service. And I got there and I got healing for my eyes. I was astigmatic. So I used lenses, thick lenses. I remember taking, looking at the screen I, with my glasses. I couldn't see clearly. So I put it, I took it off. I could see clearly. I put it back. I, it, and I, started, I said, I whispered to him. I said, which is your own? I did do here again. So, <laughs> you know. And I remember seeing pastor because my first experience, like, what kind of scrawny, skinny man is this, you know? But I can never forget, in this service, do not expect anybody at any time to lay hands on you. God is in this place, and that was it. I got my healing. But remember, again, you think I would be wise enough to have followed God at that time, September. August experience, no follow God. September, no follow God. Until I had that experience, and then I went back and I said, Asuchi, take me back to that your church. And that's how I got planted in God's house. Hallelujah. So that is my compelling experience to make up for all our compelling experiences. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. So you see, different men in the scriptures who had opened heavens actually saw something distinctive. Thank God for everyone that came out during the videos to share that distinctive thing that they, they saw. You know? So the question to you and I is, what can you see and what can you hear? Because everyone should actually see something. Everyone should actually hear something. Yes, like Moses, we should cry for, to God and say, God, I want to see your glory. And what God said to Moses, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. And I will call out my name. That's a good place to be. But you need to see for yourself. What is that distinctive experience God wants you uh, and me, of course, to have. Just to remind you that we're told by pastor that we will not forget this season in a hurry. So it's not a cliche. It's, it's, it's a prophetic statement that we ought to wage war with. So the question is, what is it specifically God has said to you in season concerning open heavens? What is it he has shown you? There has to be something that he has, he has, that has witnessed to, to your spirit amongst the whole lot that is doing in God's favorite house. Now, I just breeze through a, a few um, that a few examples. First example, God showed John in the Isle of Patmos. He showed him open heavens, even though it was a vision. I call it open heavens because as he showed it, showed it to John, what do you have? The book of Revelations. He showed John, 
the, the victory of Jesus over death, triumph over the devil, compelling. John saw strange things and he put it in a book. Today, you are being blessed by that book. What about Ezekiel? Ezekiel was a recurring theme in, throughout the, um, the, the open heavens teaching and, of course, the God using service. He showed uh, Ezekiel open heavens. Ezekiel too saw terrifying things. He saw the cherubim, saw the wheels that had plenty of eyes. He saw the, um, the crystal like um, expanse of heaven. Short to say that he saw God's chariots roll out in the skies. The heavens opened about Jesus. And Jesus heard the voice. You are my beloved son. Everyone else heard it. it was, for me, that was an affirmation for Jesus to um, begin his ministry. An endorsement at the inception of his ministry. And what happened? There was floods of, of living water flowing through Jesus. So what about us? What about you and I? What ex, what's the experience of open heavens doing for us? Because we're not, it's not about the experience. We're not supposed to just um, remember God is doing a service, a glorious service. There's something that we should take away from the service that continues to grow. Like I shared my complaining experience, I lost a brother. He pushed me to Christ somewhat because I began to pay attention. So after open heavens, after the balls, after the service, the food we ate, what, what has stemmed, what has been feeding off from that um, experience? What has it done for you already? You know, I, w- I want you to turn to your neighbor. I, I mean, I felt this was, God, was one of the things God was impressing on, heavily on my heart. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say to your neighbor that there's something going on. There's something going on. In church, there's something going on. Where's your pastor? Where's your pastor? Halfway around the world in Costa Rica. That's a confirmation. There's something going on. There's something going on in God's favorite house. Look around you. There's something going on. And it's not a cliche. It's not a feel-good statement. Hallelujah. So part, part of my own um, personal experience, I, I share one that I felt um, God was um, dealing with me. It was reminding me of the importance of interceding for people that are close to me that are far from, from, from him. You know, it, it was like, it's so vivid. I mean, the illustration of Saul and praise God for Pastor Kunle. Last week he talked about, he used that as far as one of his um, illustrations for his teaching it was so vivid to me like the illustration of Saul how you know Saul was on a, on a mission you know for the devil and then God interrupted his life and brought him into a mission for Christ you know and he, he, I've never felt that that way before about that um, that story in the Bible how Saul's open heavens turned him from Saul to Paul and in our lives, they are, they are, uh, Saul turned to Paul was an access for the Gentiles to come to Christ. was an access for new territories to be opened to the body of Christ. You, I mean, the New Testament as you know it today, largely. And amongst us here, we have people in our lives that are souls waiting to happen. Guess what? Even seated here are souls waiting to happen. What that means is that you, you are still like I used to be 10 years ago. You're still, you know, I'm a good guy. But you're not aligned with Christ. And God wants to use you to turn a whole village back to him. Or your entire family back to him. Praise God. So, the, the, what, what are we trying to say? The experience, if, if you're feeling, the, the experience is supposed to change your perspective forever. 
this open heaven experience, remember we're told, you will not forget in a hurry. It's supposed to change your perspective. It's supposed to change you and change your perspective forever. Let, let, let's um, consider Elijah's open heavens. We talked about Elijah a lot during the, um, the God of the service and preparation to the service. Elijah's open heaven was a massive learning point for us. But the question I asked myself is, what happened to Elijah after his open heaven experience? I won't go over, I won't go over the totality of the story again, but you know, before then, Elijah had even had another overwhelming open, ex, open, open heaven. He called on fire from heaven, consumed his enemies. Was that not open heaven? That's a compelling experience. Next, Elijah said, no rain. There was no rain. Then at his word, there was rain. Right? Then, the king's wife threatened him. And Elijah ran away like a chicken and went to hide. So I, I, I struggled a bit, I mean, with thinking, thinking critically about it because I would have thought that his open heavens would have caused him to, you know, do some, of course, he did a lot of things after that, caused him to do some, Jezebel, are you talking to me? Let rain be falling only on your head for the next one year. You know, that kind of, you know, that kind of, you know, because she should be fired up. Only you. Rain, anywhere you go, rain will follow you. It, 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 Elijah could have said something like that. Because he, he was fired up. Bible says he prayed fervently with his head be, between his, his knees. I, I thought about that. Then I talked about Elijah's servant. That guy that was mentioned. The guy that went to look seven times. That guy was never mentioned again. But remember, that guy had an open heaven experience. Guess what? In his stead, Elijah showed up. To eat the food that was prepared for him. That guy would have been there when Elijah called fire from heaven, isn't it? He was there, he saw the rains, but that guy was not mentioned again. Some people, tradition says it was the woman of the, the widow of Zarephath's son. I don't know. I can't confirm it. I tried to research it. I couldn't, I couldn't get a conclusive answer. But let's say even if it was that woman's son, that was the end of the guy's story. May, may your story not end on the God you do again service in the name of Jesus. And I thought about Ahab. What about Ahab? Ahab, you would have thought that Ahab would have repented after all these things he saw. Guess what? He had a momentary repentance. At some point, he repented. When, when Elijah told him that you are dead, you are finished, the blood dog will, will lick your blood, your wife, your descendants. He repented, oh God, forgive me. Momentarily. The next thing, himself and his wife are taking someone else's land, killing people. Even God was like, moved like, Elijah, Elijah, um, Elijah, Ahab seems to have repented. This is an opportunity for this guy's life. This experience should change him. But no. Read his story. Descendants all wiped out. May that not be our story in Jesus' name. So what has happened to you? Question again. After your open heavens. You know, there's a posture that we have to take. And that is the posture of expectation. As we've been told about the open heavens, the posture we ought to take is a posture of expectation. For some of us, it would, the posture of expectation will be a posture of repentance. Repentance not, not only as in, I was outside of Christ, I come into Christ. Repentance of your way of thinking, the way of doing things. The, repentance from certain habits that could be closed heaven kind of habits. And after repenting, what should you do? You should align yourself, believe, and be full of expectation. So yes, you have gone through the God of the season, 
and it seems like you have not, um, for some people, they've not recorded a significant change in your experiences. You, like the Bible says, hope deferred makes the, the heart sick. So someone might be saying, I've gone to different God will do it again services. You know, so uh, this open heavens, can I really relate? Listen, what God is saying to you is that be expectant. Last season and this season are not the same. The season before that and the season after that are not the same. Be expectant. Everybody say be expectant. So remember, um, Pastor was saying to us that we cannot um, take the, the, the components of the covenant we have. I mean, that's, you need to go and listen to the Open Levels 1 and 2. For granted, we are kingdom children and there's a posture we need to take to also benefit everything in this, in this king, kingdom. So now, yes, we have waited, we have prayed, God has done it again. Are you still like, I don't have any experience? If you're saying that, everyone is looking at you like, what's this guy talking about? Something changed, you just have to align with what is changed. So it's not enough for you to get an experience, for those of us that are getting experiences, are, are seeing things move. It's not enough for us to get an experience or record a breakthrough or healing. Some people have given testimonies of healing, praise God. Or, you know, the much anticipated issue. Like, I had a much anticipated issue on Monday after the uh, God Redeeming Service. I sealed it. And, I mean, yes, praise God. That's good testimony. You know, you, you, need, you need to have an experience. It goes beyond that. There has to be an experience that is life-changing. Why? Because, if you're writing, no experience is ever wasted, good or bad. None is wasted, good or bad. If it's a bad experience, what will happen? You will learn from the errors. If, I mean, if it was beyond your control, you will learn from the errors. You will learn your mistakes. Either way, you'd have learned something, even if it was beyond your control. If it was a good experience, you would archive the win. You would take the lessons that helped you conquer, and then you will use it as um, a principle or a formula to help you in your next battle. Praise God. So I'll breeze through a couple of open heaven experiences and see what we can learn from. The first, very first one there is Ezekiel's open heaven experience. Ezekiel's open heaven experience. Of course, it's a long text. I'm not going to read it because pastor has done justice to that um, chapter. Ezekiel chapter 1, 1 to 28. You, can go, you, should, you should go back home and read it and the Holy Spirit will give you various um, revelations. But a question I asked was, how was this vision relevant to the audience back then, what Ezekiel saw, and his overall prophetic message? Three things came, came to my mind. The first one was the fact that the people of God were in exile when Ezekiel saw this vision. So the vision was for the people that were in exile. Sort of, um, um, it, says, it says that Ezekiel saw the chariot coming from the north. And scriptures has made us know that not was form of judgment when it comes from the north. God will say to the children of Israel, I will send a band of readers from the north. So God's judgment was upon them. That's why they were in exile. Secondly, um, the Chaldeans or the Babylonians at the time, they believed that their own gods used to roam the sky. So that message was also for them to put fear in them to know that the God above all gods is, is roaming. In fact, his, his own has eyes. He's seen all your gods. 
You can see what people were doing. Is roaming the sky. And the third one was the, the people that were left in Jerusalem. Remember, they were in captivity at the time of Jehoiakim. Um, Jehoiakim was taken captive and his uncle Zedekiah was made king. So the guys that were left in Jerusalem were like, you know what? God is here with us in the temple. You people that have gone to Babylon, you people are suffering. God has left you. Guess what? The vision was also for them to make them understand that God did not stay in that temple. God went with his children that had gone on exile. That's how much God loves his children. He went with them. And in no time, guess what? That temple was torn down. Hallelujah. So, Ezekiel's open heaven was dramatic. But what was his response? That's the most important thing. Ezekiel 128, I'll read. It says, all around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a raining day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked to me. It's Ezekiel talking. It says, when I saw it, I fell face down on the ground and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. Falling face down is what? An act of worship. So when Ezekiel saw this compelling vision, what did he do? He worshipped and paid attention to the instructions. The remaining chapters is full of instructions to Ezekiel for the people of Israel and the Chaldeans and everyone else in the world. So, if you are feeling, his response is that he worshipped and paid attention to the instructions he was being given. Number two, Jesus' open heaven. Luke 3, 21 and 22. It says, one day Jesus came to be baptized along with all the others. As he was consumed with the spirit of prayer, the heavenly realm ripped open above him and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the visible, tangible form of a dove. And landed on him. Then God's audible voice was heard saying, God's what? Was heard saying, My son, you are my beloved one. Through you, I am fulfilled. What was Jesus' response to this? I read the next scripture. Luke 4, I read 1 and 2. The next chapter. It says, From the moment of his baptism, Jesus was overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He was taken by the Spirit from the Jordan into the lonely wilderness of Judea to experience the ordeal of testing by the accuser for 40 days. This is someone that has just received an affirmation. God has said it, I receive it, and that settles it, isn't it? But that's not for Jesus. Jesus went, the the Holy Spirit led him, and so he was willing, he went into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. The the thing that the first Adam, because in the scripture is referred to as the, the second Adam, the thing that the first Adam failed at, Jesus conquered, and that was obedience. The first Adam failed at obedience, but Jesus conquered when he came to obedience. He, Jesus was saying that, you know what, I, I say no to the devil. I say no to my flesh. I say yes to you, Lord. That itself, obedience. Pastor Case called it complete obedience. Sir. Is that what he called last week? Complete obedience. That itself is an act of worship. So, in conclusion, Jesus also worshipped. So obedience, if you're feeling obedience is an act of worship. He obeyed as an act of worship. Jesus, this same Jesus said in Matthew 7, I read 21 to 23 in the message version of the Bible. It says, knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience. Everybody says serious obedience. Serious one. Doing what my father wills, like Jesus did. I can see now, at the final judgment, thousands strutting to me, proudly, to say, Master, we preach the message. We're the ones that were, were opening churches for you. We bash demons. 
We said go, demons, they flew out. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. They were the boss of the town. They had fame. This is Jesus' response to them. He says, but, and you, and do you know what I'm going to say to them? He says he's going to say to them that you missed the boat. Goodness, may you not miss the boat in Jesus' name. So you missed the most important thing. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You are out of here. Jesus is saying, depart. So the heavens are open. Get to work. Get to work. And see the Lord bless the works of your hands. But again, be careful to ensure that in this your work, you are in complete, like he calls it here, serious obedience. It's a principle of open heavens. Like Pastor K reminded us last week, serious obedience. So remember, one of the things Pastor said to us during the teaching, he says that we must pray, we must tithe, and we must be aligned. That is serious obedience. For someone here, you must pray, you must tithe, you must be aligned so that that experience can continue, so that you are not living only on the 6th of October. We've moved past 6th of October. Things are happening, King. Turn to your neighbor and say to him, say to them again, something's going on. Something's going on, really. Hallelujah. So Jesus returned to Galilee, like we know, in power. After obedience, he continued in his ministry, but first he had obeyed and allowed himself to be tempted, obeyed, conquered, and then he came back to fulfill his ministry. The third open heaven experience is John's open heaven experience. His was also in a time of what you can call um, in a difficult time, in a seeming difficult time, because he was in the Isle of Patmos. He had been um, exiled by the emperor at the time. He was in a difficult place. But he, the Bible says that he saw great, a great vision. He saw great and mighty things. His heavens were opened, and he saw Jesus triumph over the works of the devil. Again, what was John's response after writing Revelation or doing the process of writing Revelation. I read Revelation 8 to 9, uh, 22, 8 to 9. It says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship. Third time. Worship. At the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But guess what? The angel was telling him, no, 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 no. Don't worship me. Worship only God. Worship only God. Ezekiel worshipped. Jesus' act of obedience was worship. John worshipped. So a common index for these experiences, I can tell you, is worship. We must seize every opportunity to go deeper in worship in this season. Every single opportunity. A group of us, throughout last week, after the God was doing a service, 12 to 1 a.m., worship God. Fall at your feet. Fall at his feet. Worship him wonderful experience if god wills we continue worship god everybody say worship god so worship in spirit and in truth worship in obedience worship in giving worship hallelujah so our first response to the experience from what we've talked about is worship regardless of what it has been from you either a good experience or not a good experience a bad experience your response is worship which brings us to the second response of our, uh, our experience, and that is contemplation. Contemplation. Again, I remind us of something Pastor taught us in season. He says that we should go home. As, um, 
um, Elijah was saying to um, Ahab, go home. But for us as Christians, go home is going into his presence. And in his presence, what are we supposed to do? Who, who can remember? He says we must plan, we must position, and we must prepare. That's what we're told to do when we go home in his presence. So we enter, we worship. As we're in that place, we begin to plan. The Bible says when we commit our plans to God, what does he do? He causes them to what? To succeed, to prosper. To prosper. While you plan, you position yourself, you align yourself, and you prepare. Guess what? Worship will get you faster to that place where you ought to be. So plan, position, and preparation or prepare are major components of contemplation. I'll read two, two verses of the scriptures, a scripture in two different um, translations. Proverbs 24, 32. Proverbs 24, 32. Proverbs 24, 32. It says, Then I beheld and considered it well. I looked and I received instructions. I beheld and considered it well. I looked, contemplation, and he received instructions. I read it in the Good News Bible. It says, I looked at this, thought about it. He contemplated about it for a bit. And I learned a lesson from it. Many of us go through different experiences without learning a lesson. Now, I can tell you for, true, for free, I'm not the only one that lost a sibling because I come from a, a house. My, my mom had, uh, had, seven, had seven boys. But not, not all of us learned the same lessons. Not all of us learned the same lessons. As a matter of fact, I still see some people struggle because that was a defining point where we ought to have learned a major lesson that changes our lives. But some people still logically... In fact, someone said it was a freak accident. I laughed. You can imagine my utmost shock when I get into church a year and a half later in Scintilla and I see Free Gift International reenact exactly what happened the night my brother passed. You'd be like this. Our God is an awesome God. Praise God. So we are supposed to think through our experiences and consider the position we ought to take and learn relevant lessons as we go through them. That is contemplation. When you think through your experience, consider the position you ought to take and learn le- relevant lessons. So, uh, asking a simple question like, what does, why does God want me to experience open heavens? Can, can, just even, can it take you into a realm that you didn't even imagine? Question to you, why does God want you to experience open heavens? Is this so that you can go and show them that you have arrived? Or for those of us that think witches and wizards are pursuing us from the village, for us to go back and kill all the witches and wizards after our heavens are open. Power has come from high. I also remember another compelling experience when we went on missions to Sierra Leone. Long story short, they said the devil came to attack us. We fought the devil not with arrows, of course spiritual arrows, not with guns, of course spiritual guns, the, the devil was shooting his own gun like this. Pastor Seto was there. Some other pastor. But with our mouths, we brought them down. I saw a devil crawl and fall. Who crawls and fall? He was crawling, trying to get up. As if someone, an angel would go and match his head like this. Come and stay there. He will fall again. He will try and get up. He will fall again. And he lost his mind. Straight madness. Right before our eyes. It's not about anything we did. Pastor, as said, reminded us, taught us that 
is God's response to prayer. It's not about anything we did. Anybody could have said those prayers. Anyway, where am I going to? Seeing that, I remember saying the next morning when they told us that that guy had lost his mind, I said, yes, all of them will die. They should die. We'll kill all, in fact, we'll kill all of them in this village now. <laughs> and I remember a matured Christian, the pastor we were with, Pastor Sam, Sam said to us, no, 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 no. They are not to die. God is to bring them into his kingdom. God is to bring them, to change them and bring them into his kingdom. So that they too, when people will see that, ah, that is for, for former devil, look, guess what? They'll follow that God. If that devil can change, they'll follow the God. Like, like for me, some of my friends see me, I'm like, ah, this guy can change. I can change as well. Because who you see now is a far cry from who you would have seen a few years ago. A, a far cry. A, a huge cry. All glory to God. So, a simple question of what does God, why does God want my heavens to be open can have an amazing impact. And it's a question you should, you should ask yourself. It can align you. And the three examples we've used, um, uh, I mean, uh, we, we can see that from those examples that alignment is non, is non negotiable. It's not something you can negotiate. You have to be uh, aligned. Praise God. I'll read another verse of the scripture, Psalm 107, verse 43 says, Whoso is wise, if there be any truly, truly wise, will observe and heed these things, and they will diligently consider the mercy and loving kindness of the Lord. I read it in the Passion Transition. It says, If you are truly wise, you will learn from what I have told you. It is time for you to consider these profound lessons of God's love and mercy. You can't just go through seasons, gloss through seasons. There's something there to learn, good or bad. Learn it. Learn it. You must learn it. Learn it. So let's contemplate, so to speak, on two, two extreme cases in season. Two extreme cases. The good experience and the bad experience. For the bad experience, let's say after the God is doing service, um, you had an accident. I was going to say God forbid, but I felt like I shouldn't say God forbid because this has happened. Let's say after the God is doing service, you were, you were fired from your job. Let's say after the God is doing service, a troublesome child pulled off their greatest mischief ever. And you're saying, but the heavens like opened over me. This is not the experience I should be here. This is not the experience I should be having. Everything should be smooth, 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 smooth <laughs> right now, you know? Well, the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, I read 3 and 4. It says, all praises belong to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he's the father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. This is the beautiful part. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering. Why? So that we can also come alongside those who are in painful trial. We can bring them into this same comfort that God has poured out on us. Your experience is never wasted. You have checked. You are not doing anything tantamount to closed, uh, uh, glassy, brazen heavens. You, you are aligned, and yet you are experiencing strange things. What should you be doing? The Bible says yeah, you should be praising God. Hallelujah. Praising him through it. You praise him out of it. That's what the Bible says. 
He says, why? Because he has brought comfort to you in that situation. He's walking alongside you. God is alongside you through the pain. He's right there. Through the pain. And when, when you do this, you learn what is being taught as you walk with him. Because he'll be whispering things. Remember again, um, Oga, um, Elijah. Wind, no God. Earthquake, no God, right? Lightning, no God. Where was God? Whisper. That still moment when he's suffering and God says, hey son, hey daughter, that's where he was. Why? Because soon someone will come after you with the same challenge or something similar. God expects you to not waste that experience, to use it to cancel that person and help the person get up. Hallelujah. So in my, in my experience, no one brings comfort better than the person that has had a similar experience. They are the ones that are empathetic. They, they had a similar experience and they walked with God through it. They are empathetic. Such people are like water on a very hot, thirsty day. They are refreshing. They know how to calm that thirst. So, if you, are, if you are writing, people who have walked with God and grown through experiences are refreshing. They are refreshing. They are not just talking textbook. They know like they know. Hallelujah. On the flip side, for you, it's a good experience. Hallelujah. I know excited about a good experience. <laughs> the scripture says, it is not for your personal consumption alone. What should you do? I'll read the scripture. First Thessalonians 5. What should you do about your good experience? The Bible says, because of this, encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another just as you have already been doing. We are being encouraged here. We are being instructed here to encourage fellow believers. How do you encourage fellow believers? If you are writing, you testify. That's it. Simple. Testify. Everybody say testimony. Testimony time. Testify. Because like Pastor Wallace say, there are many more testimonies waiting to be heard. Many more than the ones we hear. When we say we have six testimonies, we shout hallelujah. Guess what? There are multiples of six testimonies that are not yet comfort. Someone is waiting to hear it so that they can be encouraged. Your testimony, hallelujah. Your testimony about your great experience, what will it do? It will give hope to others. It will help them continue to trust the same God that did your own to come true for them. That's why you must testify. We cannot stress it enough that no experience is wasted. God never puts any experience to waste good or bad he always always uses it for his glory i read the final scripture romans 8 28 it says and we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love god and are fitting into his plans if we love god and are fitting into his plans all that is happening to us is for who's good our good are good. The interesting part of this, um, that, that claim, that scripture, is that there's a clause. There's a clause to it. The clause here is that for those who love God and are aligned with his will, you can say, I love God, and you're still doing your do. <laughs> I love you more than life itself. I love you. God, I give my life to you. And then you walk out the door and you go and do your do. <laughs> That clause disqualifies such a person. 
The people that the clause qualifies, that causes all things, good and bad experience to work for, are the people that are aligned. So that speaks expressly to people that are believers. So if you're not born again and you're here, you can't say, I love God, and yet continue to sin. You can't. It doesn't, you are disqualified from the clause. So what you need to do is repent and align with his purpose for your life so you can get the ultimate benefits of that scripture and all things indeed will begin to work for you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's all for our teaching tonight. Praise God. Do we have any questions? Any questions, comments? Questions or comments? So I did all the talking tonight. (laughs) But I hope I've been able to bless you tonight. And and I pray that the experience of open heavens will not be lost in your life in Jesus' name. So with all heads bowed and with all eyes closed, I just want to make one simple call. You're here. And you know that the soul to Paul experience is your experience. You are a Paul waiting to happen. You are still living like a soul, still doing the work of the devil, the enemy of Christ. Today, we want to give you an opportunity to come and become a Paul. One that God will use to propagate his mission here on earth. Put up your hands, as simple as that, and we'll pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. We just want to pray with you and bring you into this wonderful family. This family of Christ. Or you used to be... um, used to be under the covering used to be in in god's camp but something happened maybe a bad experience and you found yourself in the other side we want to give you an opportunity to make things right this evening just put up your hand and one of the ushers will give you a card and then we'll pray with you lord we honor you is that a hand there that's a hand over there thank you my sister god bless you god bless you it takes boldness and your life will never be the same again Is there anyone else? Anyone else? You know the yearning of your heart is that you want to come to Christ. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Don't let the experience be wasted on you. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your daughter surrendering their hearts hearts to you. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. You can send a message to pastor. We pray in the name of Jesus because your word says you stand at the door and you knock and every heart that is open, you will come in and make your abode with them. Father, make your abode with this heart. Let this life experience open heavens like never before. Use her, my Lord, to propagate your mission here on earth. And let your name alone be glorified. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. The commit section. (laughs) What are you committing to? You can write it out. God will bless you as you do in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Take